Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ahí estés, Roberts. Roberts saca centro. La pelota la tira aquí. Prepara, punta, tira, And welcome to the Rota Report podcast in association with the Sun Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back once again on the pod for the review show. And this week you join us the day after Sunderland's exciting 2-2 draw at Vicarage Road against Watford. Uh, joining me today to wax lyrical about Tony Mowbray's men is, as always, my mate Martin. Hiya, mate. Hello, Gav. How are you doing? Hi, champion. Good. And also with us is Chris Wynn. Hello, Chris. All right, mate. It's been a while since I've done one of these. I know, I know, I know. And a good game to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Sunderland doing what they've done all season and competing with a decent team. Coming out at the end of the game with a point. Feels like we won. Everybody's ecstatic. But, Martin, I'll start with you. Just how impressed were you with the way we battled on yesterday? It was a big test, I think. You know, Watford haven't had the best start of the season, but they've got good players, Premier League players last season. And, you know, there were periods of the game where we were under pressure, but I think you know, in the last 20, 25 minutes especially, we really showed what we've got, certainly off the bench. And um, you know, going into a, another away game, the second away game in what four days, haven't got any strikers, got a number of players who unproven at championship level on the bench, who were just acclimatizing to both England and Sunderland. And it was an exciting end of the game. And I think if we played another five minutes, we, we would have got the winning goal. It was nice to see Bennett get um, off the mark, wasn't it? Ross Wallace-esque is it, celebration. Is it Bennett or Benetti? Because I've well, been saying Benetti, but no, I, I want to say well. Bennett. Everyone else is saying Bennett, so I think it's um, it's Bennett. Benetti sounds more, more exotic, though, doesn't it? It does. Well, we'll, we'll it, it can be either until he tells us otherwise. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was it was great, wasn't it, Chris? Just to see the celebrations at the end and the coming together of the players and stuff. The lads obviously loving the fact that Jewison got off the mark. <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, it it was obvious that I think I can't remember whose face it was. It might have been I can't I can't remember who's who it was. It might have been Lyndon Gooch or someone, but so, like someone you could just see it in someone's face, whoever it was, that they just kind of they looked who it was who scored. And then looked at all their teammates and kind of sprinted yeah. across to where to where Bennett was running, <laughs> as if to say, 
this you know this is huge for the team you know that that you know because of who, who it was who scored and you can see in the celebrations i mean all of the, all of the players were kind of chuckling a little bit behind Bennett, not in a kind of a bad way but chuckling because it was such a brilliant moment and they were loving it kind of as much as he was really and i think uh, if they were to kind of pick a player who scored they might have picked him because from Mowbray's comments after the game He's clearly someone who just comes into the training ground with a smile on his face, and all the players seem to already latch onto him. And and actually, I mean, just a little sign as well. Uh, where how many players were giving Bennett the ball? It was yeah. you know it was yeah. obvious that he's doing something on the training ground that you that the players are thinking, God, he's got something. If I just give him the ball, the amount of times he just got the ball and knocked it past the the kind of wing back or full back. And, and just kind of looked at the byline and just went, you know, had tunnel vision towards the byline and the goal. But you can tell that players are latching on to him, whether it's what he's doing on the training pitch, kind of whether it's his character or whether it's talent or, or both, I think, um, by the looks of mm. it. But no, he's, he's looking good, isn't he? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the goal later. We'll start from the top, though. So the, the game wasn't all plain sailing for Sunderland, Martin, and we went behind through a goal on the 34th minute. Keenan Davis scoring. It was a fantastic pass, to be honest. I got him in behind. I've seen some people criticising Lyndon Gooch. I would struggle to criticise him. And I've seen some, a little bit of criticism for Patterson. Yeah, he gets his hand to it. But I think the whole move, I mean, puts us on the back foot because the pass that gets them in behind is brilliant. And, you know, it's just one of them, isn't it? You're going to concede good goals at times this season. Yeah, we are. And look, I think the the pass just split our defence apart, didn't it? Yeah. I think Gooch and Patterson are probably easy targets to to an extent because people have got question marks over them to one extent or or another. Um, But look, it was a good, great ball out. Lad got the ball in and was was a tap. And I'd be probably questioning whoever was supposed to be tracking um, the lad who scored rather than anybody else because it it was nobody sort of within a few yards of him, wasn't it? It was just a a simple tap in to, to score. Um, but yeah, look, and as I said before, like they've they've got that quality, and they didn't show it throughout the whole ninety minutes, but they showed it in spells. You know, they were big, strong, fast team, and when they, you know, they had a few spells in the way they were like on top and they were dominating the ball, and you know, they've got some good players, and yeah. if we're not completely honest every single second against players like that, we are liable to get caught out as we were there. Yeah, you got any complaints about that, Chris, or not? Well, well, I mean. People can go on about the the ball in behind Gooch and you know have a word about Gooch and Patterson how he dealt with that ball into the box, but I, I mean for me, I mean th- those are all debatable. We can debate those all day, but for me it goes back to when you know the pass. I mean yes, it was a brilliant pass, but he had too much time in the middle of the park, and I think for the opening period of the game that was our problem. But we we didn't we didn't really fix it because bizarrely I, I found it really weird. You know, to people talking about this false nine. When we didn't have the ball, Embleton and Pritchard looked like two strikers and we set up with two banks of four. Yeah. Which meant that possession-wise, I mean, I think first half, kind of Watford had 60% of the possession. And you could tell because Dan Neal and Evans were struggling as a two in the middle because they were outnumbered. But Pritchard and Embleton didn't drop in. And the problem with our first goal was that their player had far too much time in the middle of the park because we didn't fix that. We didn't drop someone else in and have a three in the middle just for that period of time where we were under the cosh a bit, just to try and get through it. So, yeah, okay, you can debate Gooch, you can debate Patterson, but for me, the problem came with leaving Evans and Neil to kind of fight it out with three players in the middle. 
and they ended up with too much time on the ball. And like you and Martin have said, you give that time to quality and, and, and they punished us. It was a funny one with that um, sort of period of time where we pushed Embleton right up, wasn't it? Because mm. I think it, it came from you know the first, well, I don't know, the first 15, 20 minutes. We were really struggling to get out a lot of the time. Whenever we had the ball, you know, I think, you know, I don't think a number of players had the best game ever yesterday. I think, you know, Daniel Evans and Embleton were guilty of giving the ball away far too easily and they weren't careful enough in, in possession. But we, I think we started off with Embleton playing deeper and Pritchard up by himself. And for the first 10, 15 minutes, we couldn't get out. So I, he pushed Embleton up to try to give more of an out ball on the chance that we'd get a, a counter to make the most of it. But the risk of that, obviously, is you leave a, a man less in the midfield. And as Chris said, you give space for a, a pass like that that can cut you apart. So I think Mowbray kind of made a change from an attacking point of view to try to get us a, a foothold in the game. But unfortunately, that backfired. I think he pulled Embleton back into that midfield three shortly after they, they scored that goal, didn't he? Yeah, we, we didn't give up, though. Uh, that was about 10 minutes before half-time. There were a couple of in- incidents. Obviously, there was the goal, which we'll come on to. But just uh, after their goal, we had the penalty incident with Jack Clark being brought down in the box. Tony Mowbray was adamant it was a penalty. I was when I seen it back a couple of times. I mean, the players don't really appeal for it, to be honest. There's not much of an appeal from our players, but that's a nailed-on penalty in my book. I don't know what you think, Martin. Ah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think it's one of those, if the linesman's on the other side... We get it. Whether the referee was his vision was blocked or, or whatever, because he wasn't that far away from it, but it happened relatively quickly. But I think if the line if that happened on the linesman's post, we'd have got that penalty. But it's one of them, you know, in the Premier League you get, it, don't you? Well, we haven't had much luck this season, I don't think. I would really Chris with officials. It seems like every week now we're coming and saying we should have had a penalty. I mean, it was Robertson the last game. This week it's Jack Clark. I know that the, the type of players we've got, the technicians as Mowbray likes to call it. They're very good with the ball in close quarters when they when they've got players around them and stuff. And we have got some quick players. It's it's one that referees really need to pick up on. I think with Sunderland, isn't it? They've we're not we're not getting all the decisions we deserve. Well, you know, I, I was speaking to someone. I was speaking to a Sheffield Wednesday fan the other week, talking. <laughs> we, we were kind of laughing because you know we all know how bad the referees were in League One. And uh, he was asking us, he says, oh, so, you know, because we we've been talking about it over the last year or so, about the, the standard of refereeing in League One. He says, oh, so are the referees any better in the championship? Mm-hmm. Just that's it, no, they're just <laughs> as bad, to be honest. And they've been, they've, been, they've been just as bad this season. But, I mean, just, just on your point, it's funny because we've now got this team, like you said, you know, we've got all these ball players, we've got all these technicians. We've got, you know, they're all slight as well. I mean, they're all small players. They're all kind of, um, kind of skillful, tricky players. The problem is the initiative from the referees this season has been basically to only give a foul if someone's been kind of half crocked or kind of crippled. And <laughs> they've kind of changed the rules this season when we've got this kind of want to play this free flow and football that basically that they let all the things that last season would have been a foul. You know, those niggly things where it was a little, it was clearly, well, it was a foul last season, but they were kind of niggly and referees would blow their whistle. This season, that level where referees have blown their whistle for a free kick has kind of gone up. So our players really need to take a kick to get a free kick this season. I mean, it's typical Sunderland, isn't it? We get this brilliant technical side and they start changing the rules where people can just hack us and <laughs> kind of, you know, pick us up and chuck us over in the box and we don't get a penalty. What did you make of the response after their goal, Martin, and from Sunderland? Were you 
Are you pleased with how we came out? I mean, it's been pretty typical of this team, hasn't it, the last couple of years? We don't just sit off and let teams take us apart. We we tend to, you know, right, okay, roll the sleeves up, let's get on with it. We do, and I think it was interesting as well. I, I had the um, the Watford commentary on, and up until, well, after they scored, like the two Watford commentators were going like, this is the best we've played all season. We look, you know, solid, with great formation. We're really on it today. And I'm watching the game going, well, if that's the best we've played all season, we've got half a chance here because I didn't think they were actually playing that well. I thought they were, they were doing pretty well, but I didn't think they were anything outstanding. And the, the thing that we know about this team that we've got this season is two things. One, they'll, they'll never give up. And two, there's goals in them. And the, the players know there's goals in them. And I think if you're playing in a team that you're looking around and go, well, Pritchard can score, Clark can score, Roberts can score, Embleton can score. You know, you've got a number of players there who you can just look around and go, you know, we, we, there's a chance we've got a goal. And they're all good players at keeping the ball, usually. I know I said before, we give the ball away cheaply on a lot of occasions. But generally, when we're on it, we can keep the ball, move players around, move teams around. And, you know, I think we're always going to have that sort of spell of possession in, in, a, in a half where we do dominate the ball for 10, 15 minutes and, you know, create a few chances. And yeah. say we had the Clark penalty shout and, um, you know, there was pressure building. You can't see it was coming. And I actually thought, you know, half time going to come at a bad time for us here because this is our spell of, of possession. And we, we, you know, fortunately, we, we did make the most of it. Yeah, well, shameless plug. But if, if anyone listened to the Adam Leventhal pod, you know, we'll plug that <laughs> as much as possible if people, you know, <laughs> want to listen to it after the fact. But if you listen to that and talking about, you know, as you said, Martin, that pressure building up on the manager and some of the bad results and things like that. And it was, I mean, I, th- I thought we responded well. We kind of got on the front foot again really well because sometimes you, you don't know how that's going to work. But I actually thought you could see, you could sense the nerves in Watford as soon as they scored yeah, yeah. and went ahead. And they just thought, they, they didn't quite know how to handle that. And they kind of dropped in. They kind of dropped by, you know, 10, 15 yards. And, uh, and like, but we responded well, like Martin said, we kept the ball better after the goal and we, we did things better. We kind of stepped it up. But you could sense Watford, you know, that, that like the way it's going there, that they just, they felt the nerves in the stands, the fans got nervous, the players got nervous. And, but it was good. We took advantage of it. And it's that funny thing, isn't it? When you know, we, we've seen it at Sunderland so many times, haven't you? Where you're going through a bit of a bad spell, you get a goal not too long before the halftime whistle, and you go, okay, we'll just keep it tight. We'll sit back, keep it tight for the next 10 minutes and get to halftime with a 1 0. And you know, how many times have we seen it where it's hmm. the, the inevitable happens? And um, yeah, it happened yesterday, didn't it? Jack Ross springs to mind for that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, even 10, 15 minutes into the game, I was watching and their fans were getting on their case for passing it around the back and stuff. So yeah. it was, I think it was always going to be one of them games where regardless of whether we were behind or not, because of the general sort of malaise that's around Watford at the minute, you've got to think they've just been relegated and we know better than anybody how long it takes to get that stink off you. It's not easy. It doesn't matter how good your players are. You know, if, you're, if your team is used to losing games, it's very hard to get out that habit. And um, Watford haven't started the season well at all. I mean, Tony Mowbray talked quite a lot after the game about how much talent they have in their ranks. And you've got to look at their team and go, yeah, there are still some Premier League players in that side. But if their mentality is not right, it brings them down onto a different level. And mentally, Sunderland are in such a good place at the minute. It's the players themselves. I mean, I, I personally can't remember a sort of team spirit like this. 
Like in this sense, I mean, I've seen good Sunderland teams in the past, not many of them, granted, but I've seen good teams in the past where we've had quite a lot of experience, quite a lot of leaders. And this team, you look at it, and there's quite a lot of young kids, and it's a totally different atmosphere, isn't it? Like we're not we're not looking at a team now who are full of proven players, or you know, you haven't got your your Ballies, your Lee Clarks, or Chris Makins and Kev Phillips and Niall Quinn up front. No, that type. It's not that type of Sunderland team. This is like a a different animal to me. They're all young, hungry kids with a smattering of experience in there, but those experienced players still have things to prove as well. I mean, I can't remember anything like this, Martin, at Sunderland. I don't know if you can, but you go back a little bit further than me, not oh, too much. But. A, bit, <laughs> a bit further, but no, I think it's it's a different proposition to, to what I've seen before, what I can remember, really. And I think, mm. you know... I think it's easy to kind of look at the young players, but you know, as you say, there, there is people like Danny Bath, Corey Evans, Alex Pritchard. They're all playing through the spine, and all very experienced players who who are good leaders in in their own way. I think Pritchard's a an excellent leader in a very different yeah. way to what Danny Bath and Corey Evans are, and Patrick Roberts as well. He's a youngish mm. player, but he's got a lot of experience. And you know, other players being around Premier League academies and all that sort of thing. So like, there is there is a good core there. Of, of experience but you know back to your point Gav in terms of the, just the team spirit and the, the belief that they've got like yesterday wasn't a, a great performance like we've seen some very good performances this season from from this team yesterday wasn't a great performance you know we said before we were sloppy with the ball and all that sort of stuff but mentality wise we're absolutely superb and I think that's the massive difference that a good team spirit can give you is when you're not all on us and you know different weeks some players are going to be on it and some players aren't and you know we're going to have games like yesterday where you know you're going to have four or five players who aren't really on top form but the team spirit drags you through because yeah. everyone's going that little extra bit off the ball to get the ball back and help the mate out and all that sort of stuff and you can see it and you know that helped us get to a point where we could bring on those subs and actually you know again we should have won five minutes more we would have won that game and it was the team spirit got us to that point where we could win the game. But mm. you know where I think you know where I think that comes from because I mean talking about the last time, I mean the only thing I can probably kind of compare it to is in terms of just team spirit is going back to that Roy King season where you know you yeah. saw how how the players were together and, and kind of probably in a hatred for the manager or something like that. I don't know <laughs> as if he kind of kicked off every, but it was the. the that togetherness probably have to go back to them, but I think with this team, yeah, you're absolutely right, Gav. It comes from a different place. It doesn't come from that, like like Martin said, it doesn't come from that. You know, under Reid, it was a bit of a drinking culture, and everyone went out for a few beers and they got together that way. This team, I actually think the team spirit and and results like uh, the, the the one we got at Watford come out of looking alongside each other and thinking, I've got a good player alongside us here, and just knowing that if you go behind. Well, it's all right. We've got Patrick Roberts, we've got Clark, we've got Pritch, we've got you know, and they look around and we we'll go, we've got these players playing alongside. We'll get a goal or we'll have a chance, and they just know there's no kind of oh you know oh, how we're going to score here. You know, it's not that kind of team where you're thinking where the goal's going to come from. Even when we haven't got a striker on the pitch, we've got our two main strikers out. They look alongside each other, and the confidence and team spirit comes out of looking at the player next to them and thinking, well, he's a good player. We'll we'll get something out of this. When I was going through those experienced players before who who are good leadership qualities, Lyndon Gooch is one I missed out. Yeah. And I, I think, I, again, Gooch didn't have his best game yesterday, but you see his reaction to the, the equaliser, you see his just reaction to, to things going on around the, the game on, on the pitch during the night minutes. And like he's been fantastic. 
this season, I think. And again, he's you know he's somebody who knows the club inside out. He's been there forever. He knows what it means. And I think you know I, I'm not sure where it it's come from. It's obviously been built because obviously you can't put it down to Tony Mowbray. You can't really put it down to to Alex Neal because it was there before Alex Neal arrived. There was this, the um, beginnings of it anyway, wasn't there? You know whether mm. the the playoff victory and going through all of that has really connected and bonded them, which you know probably will have. But you know it's it's been building for the last. 12, 18 months, and I think that's symptomatic of getting the right types of people into the club, that's as well the as the right types yeah. of players, and that's been done very strategically and very deliberately behind the scenes, yeah. and I think you, you were kind of st- seeing, starting to see sorry, the beginnings of the, the impact of doing it that way on the field now. Yeah, well, Tony Mowbray said that, didn't he, after the game, when he said the lads have come in, and they're not sitting on the bench and moaning about not playing. They understand why they're on the bench. They understand why they're here. They know that they have, they're not just going to be handed an opportunity on a plane. Yeah, you play for Sunderland. You've come to this club. Well done. Congrats. But the hard work starts the day you come into training and every day after that. you know. And he, he mentioned about um, Benetti and, and all the lads. He, he mentioned like, they weren't just handed the opportunity to come off the bench on a plate. They've shown in training that they've got quality. He said, I'd, yeah. I've, I trust them. And that's the thing. You know, It's not about... Ego. There's no egos in this team. I can't think of a single player there where I look and I think, oh, he's, he's got a bit of an ego on him. You know, yeah. they wouldn't last two minutes if they did because that, like you say, they're not just looking at what types of players to say in terms of you know qualities on the pitch. They're looking at the individual and who they are and where they come from. Like Jewison Bennett, Bennett here. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Dewey. Dewey. Um, think where he's come from. He's come from like Nout, really, and. We've spotted this kid in Costa Rica playing, and yes, he's playing for the national team. That does heighten the sort of expectation around him. But the people in Costa Rica, they're not used to seeing world-class footballers come out of there. So they see a kid who they think, this kid's got a chance, and they see him getting a chance, and the whole country's behind him. That story's unbelievable. And then for him to be the one who scores the goal and celebrates like that. I mean, I think Dave Jones put a post out on Instagram where he said he's you know, it, it kind of summed it up really well. I don't know if you, you read it or not. I'd tell people to go dig that out if they can, if it's still about. But, he, you know, he's been in the country a matter of weeks. He's only just started English lessons. You know, he was found by one of our scouts in Costa Rica, apparently. It's all just been a bit of a whirlwind for this kid. And he's come over here thousands of miles from anybody, really, who he really knows. Doesn't know how to speak English particularly well. It must be difficult. But the hunger and desire to prove himself and become a top class footballer is what drives them and that there is no language for that I mean fo- they say that about football don't they football <laughs> it's it's they're, they're, everyone knows how to play football it's you know but you get out there on the pitch and you do what you're good at and you're going to prove yourself and that's exactly what he's doing well you're going to add something there by the way Chris I, I did uh, interrupt you rudely that just as you were talking there about Bennett or Dewey or Bennett here or whatever Jerry you want to give him. yeah we'll, I was we'll trying to think I think probably yeah, pa- was it Paolo Wanchuk? Probably the last one from from Costa Rica. I remember over here that he was probably the he, last. He was uh, class in mind. Well, we had we, we had Brian Oviedo, of course, and uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, of course, I forgot. Don't forget yeah. about him. Um, yeah. and the, 
I think is it Brian Ruiz who played for Fulham? They paid quite a lot of money uh, for him, didn't it. they? But, yeah, uh, but many though. But you can just like you say. I mean, I, I loved Mowbray's comments about him afterwards, and you're talking about that language of football, and it's clear that that's exactly what's happening at the at the training ground where Tony Mowbray's trying to get his ideas across to him, and he's just <laughs> not nodding his head and then doing his own thing. But you can you could tell by the smile on Mowbray's face when he was talking about it is that he's just he's naturally just a good footballer, and and Tony Mowbray's. I mean, to have that trust where. He's obviously there's obviously those problems communicating and will be for a good while, but he's he's asking him he's trying to teach him stuff on the training ground. He's not sure he's getting it, but he's known that he's good enough to still put him in and still just say, yeah. just get on the ball, do your thing. You're a naturally good footballer. Just just get the ball and just just go, just play football. And and I think yeah. that's the beauty of what Mowbray's doing with this team. He's saying, mm-hmm. get the ball down on the deck. You know, he's all good players. Get the ball down. Just do your thing. Be positive. You're right there about players just being good enough to slot in. Agiolisi, last two games, has been outstanding. Like I don't see where... I don't really see how Dennis Serkin gets back in after the international break. And that's no slight on him, because he's been... I, I said this the other week, he's been one of our best players, but Elise has been given the chance and he's ran with it. He gets the goal, Martin, which uh, gives us the equaliser just before half-time. Just over the line, I think in the old days we wouldn't have got that. So thank God for goal line technology because it was very quick, wasn't it? And it was just over the line. But to fashion the shot, to be fair to him, was brilliant. I've watched it back a couple of times, and that's not an easy shot to get away when you look at it. You know, it sort of spills to him, yes, but there are a couple of players around him that keep us in close proximity. He manages to squeeze the shot under him, and the lad gets it off the line and. There's a period of about five or six seconds where nobody really knows what's going on, except Elise, because he's seen the go- the the referee stick his <laughs> arms in the air. He knows what that means. So he's ran off to the corner, and then you hear the delayed reaction from the Sunderland fans at the other end who haven't really got a clue what's going on. I think I heard, same as you, I heard the Watford commentary, and they also didn't have a clue. So it was quite funny to listen to, but good goal, even. You know, I know, yeah, it was scrappy, and it just went over the line, but like I say, did all right to get it in, didn't he? You know, he's coming... On Wednesday night, didn't he? I think his, his selection probably was a little bit last minute because I, I reckon Bailey Wright would have played, likely would have played on Wednesday if he'd um, been available. And Elise has come in and he has shown himself to be a really good footballer as well as a very good defender. But he's just so comfortable on the ball, isn't he? He's going up and down that line. And look, he's not a natural fullback by trade. He's a, he's a centre-half, isn't he? But he's, he's shown himself really willing and adept to getting up and down that line, link and play. He's fast. He's quick. He he moved the ball, and you know that that shot just kind of um, illustrated, I guess, his technical ability, didn't he? He kept his composure. He he just bided his time a little bit, got the shot in, and it was well over the line. And yeah. um, it was really nice, uh, <laughs> really nice way for him to get his um, his first goal for for something, wasn't it? We're mm. talking about that that Watford commentary. There was like about five minutes after because they were talking about the the incident at Huddersfield, saying, "Oh well, Hawkeye might be wrong this time, and it might not yeah, be right. so line and all that." I'm like, "Whoa, hang on, hang on a minute." <laughs> the referee pointed to his watch. It's a goal. That's it. Crack on with it. And then they were, they were even going into half time. Even at half time, they were saying that every, oh, all the Watford players are going to be really pissed off by this injustice. <laughs> actually we've had a look and it was over the line yeah that's it they were going just after and then going in after them they're going oh, I can't wait to see this picture because I'm not sure that was over the line and all that but just on just on that point of Bailey Wright coming in and Alicia playing in that role I mean that role he's playing is such a strange role because at, at times he almost looks like an orthodox left back 
getting up and down the line. And then the way we defend sometimes when we kind of come into a block, he's then looking like that third centre off alongside Danny Bart and uh, and 9 And it's he's playing it so well down that side because actually when he gets forward, he's really kind of joining in and, and being effective at that end of the pitch. But that's why I'm not sure with Bailey Wright. I think if you want if he wants to play you know, third centre-halves or that kind of strange role that gets up and down. Bailey Wright wouldn't have been able to do that. So I wonder if kind of Alicia would have gotten a nod anyway, just because he's got that kind of ability to get up and down. But he's playing that role spot on. And like you said, Gav, I mean, Serkin's got a job on his hand when, when he gets back. That's what you want. That's the culture you want in the team, isn't it? You want every player to be on their toes. And yes, we've got a fantastic team spirit and they're all in it together. By the way, that's a really difficult blend to have, to have a team where everybody is for each other and supportive, but also be in a position where every player has to be competitive and they're all competing again, the team. like You don't often get a side where there's that mesh, where the players are all together, but they're also sort of against each other in a way like, you know, I need I need him to either get injured or slip up to get into the team. They're still, they're still for each other and... That comes across every time one of them speaks. You say this. I mean, social media can be crap, but I actually think with this squad, it's great seeing the way they talk to each other on social media. They're all really supportive of each other. I mean, we're going to get on to Ben. We've talked about him a million times, Dewey. Um, mm-hmm. But like the stuff after the game with him was great. And it's nice to see all of that. Even like Adji Elise is really proud of himself for getting his first goal as a pro footballer and all the lads were giving him loads of praise on social media and stuff and it's it's nice to see isn't it but Tony, I think it comes up with kind of the current rules as well because the amount of subs you can make and I think Tony Mowbray mm-hmm. said it I think probably I think he said it after the game against Watford I think he might have said it the game before that after Redden but he's he's constantly talking about the size of the squad and that all the players are going to play a part whether it's from the yeah. bench or or kind of start in the starting eleven. And he's, he's clearly had that conversation with the squad to say, look, you know, if you don't start, you're 100% you will play a part in whatever we do this season, either coming off from the bench or suspensions and injuries, you'll you'll get a chance. So, I mean, we've got, we haven't got the biggest squad in the world, so it's clearly they're all going to get an opportunity at some point. Yeah, they scored around the hour mark. We'll come on to that. But what did you make, Martin, of the, the way we responded from going in at ones each, coming back out in the second half? How did you feel we started? Yeah, I thought we... We did as you'd expect us to do, really. I think we continued on from that that period that we had at the end of the first half, where we had a bit of possession, a bit of control of the game. Look, Watford always looked dangerous on occasion, but I think you know we we had a little bit more control of the the first period of the second half that compared to the first um, period of the first half. The the goal was a bit it was it was a bit of a kick in the teeth, really, because I thought we kind of looked like we might get a chance of scoring. Corey Evans does a little tactical foul on, on, on their lap. I like that, by the way. Clip his heels. I, I quite like that because it, it was a nice foul. It was, well, it was there. For, I mean, I don't like it in the sense it led to a goal, but we'll come on to that. But the actual, you know, him just giving their flair player a little nick and then having a laugh in his face and stuff. A bit of shithousery, don't mind that. But it wasn't. Look, I think we, we've talked previously this season, haven't we? I think it was QPR, wasn't it, where we let the, the lad get towards our box before we fouled him. And they scored the free kick. Mm-hmm. They were going just clip his heels forty yards, early, twenty yards earlier, yeah. and you're giving yourself a chance. And look, it didn't work out that way because we still conceded the goal from the free kick, didn't we? But it showed a little bit more maturity. Obviously, that's Evans's experience um, coming in into play there. 
and uh, yeah. yeah, it was nice to wind him up as well. I think I think we need to be a little bit careful though. And like I said, I don't mind those fouls. You know, you know, sometimes you just have you know the players just have to do it. But Mowbray mentioned it again after the game. We're not the biggest side in the world, and I think against against Watford, every ball into the box looked dangerous, and they played they played quality balls into the box, and they are players who who could win it as well. Especially opening period of the first half. They put a lot of balls into the box and they won them all. They were, you know, Patterson. I mean, he had to make some easy saves, so straight at them and all this sort of stuff. But we weren't great off of balls into the box. And I think Mowbray knows that we have to be careful conceding free kicks around the box because I don't think we're the. Like I said, we're not the biggest side in the world, so I don't think we're we're great at defending set pieces. So we just need to be careful where we concede those fouls. I think. Yeah, and it was a bit of a freak goal. To be fair, I mean. I've watched multiple times. I've watched multiple angles of it. I'm not really sure what happens. I mean, yeah, them them things do happen. We had we were on the better end of it in the when we played Rotherham just before the playoff semis when their when their defender comes flying in and sticks it in his own top corner and these things just happen, don't they? And it's yeah, it's one of them, Martin. I think Santiago 09, wasn't it? It was, um, <laughs> it was pretty good goal. To be fair, if he'd done that at the other end, I would have been impressed. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think 09 was one of those who didn't have his best game yesterday as well. And I think he was, um, you know, I've I've listened to his podcast and a few lads have. Um, I've listened to the podcast he does quite a bit. And he, he's because he was at Watford and he played like five minutes or something. At Watford made his first pro appearance there and he got released in non-league. And he's he's really used that as a, a sort of a motivation throughout the rest of his career to get back up there and make it as a pro. And he, I think he was really hurt by being released by Watford. And yesterday, he, he just he turned into sort of performance of somebody who wanted to prove something. Yeah, didn't have a calm head. He, no, he didn't. He was so lucky not to get booked in that first half. He went through three of their lads, didn't he? Or one of their lads three times. And that he, was in he the first 10 minutes card. as well. That was only in the first 10 minutes. And yeah. that would have uh, that would have been him suspended for the next game if if he has. And look, I, I don't think I don't necessarily think that um, own goal was a, a consequence of him having that sort of mentality and attitude yesterday, but it it didn't help. And I think he was just trying to get onto anything. And yeah. you know, I think Patterson probably could have come out and done a bit better with it. And it was just a bit of a, a mess up, really, wasn't it? Well, that's it. I think I think actually the I think the goal came out of Luke Nine being Luke Nine and putting his head where some others wouldn't. And you know, he just kind of he just kind of threw himself at it, and it, it kind of didn't go the way he planned. So you know, it's it's yeah. one of those. But yeah. I would I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Luke and I to stop doing what he does and putting his head in there. Oh yeah. no, absolutely not! And look, it was only a couple of minutes after he did that lovely chest back to Patterson under a lot of pressure, wasn't it? So like you you've got to just hold your hands up sometimes. And go, you know what? That was just a bit of bad luck. Um, yeah. Lost his bearings a bit and powered it past his keeper. Uh, just on the general topic of Luke 09, I think he's looked really comfortable. Yeah, he didn't have the best game yesterday, but I think he's looked really comfortable as that right centre-half. And one thing which I don't really see people talking about, which I've picked up on when he's playing, is that he's really good at those one-touch first-time passes that keep the ball moving quickly when we're trying to go between... When we're sort of trying to break the lines, the ball tends to always go back to him. And he's very good just under... Even under pressure, those little first-time passes five yards, ten yards to his left or right. He's really good at that. And um, I, that stuck in my head because I say so much stuff and I've listened, like you say, you have, to his podcast when he talks about how much like extra work he does. And you've seen him with that, um, is it the Otto system that they've got at the, at the academy 
where it's like the ball fires at them at pace in the dark and stuff, and it's to try and get them to improve their peripheral vision and first touch and stuff. And I can see that in his game. I can see that. He, he, oh, he's not the most technically brilliant player, but Luke O'Neill, he does work hard on the little things, and that first touch has served him well this season, I think. Yeah, can you? I don't know if you think back, but when we were doing our um, best eleven for League One, uh, Sun, you know, Sunland team, and we had a conversation yeah. about Luke O'Neill, and I, I, you know, personally, I've I've always thought that Luke O'Neill's best period in a Sunland strip was when he played at the back. <laughs> at one time, you know, he was kind of our main defender uh, under under Lee Johnson when we had all those injuries. But I, I think he, I think you're exactly right, and I think where he's really important is the way. Luke O'Neill, like you say, plays those passes out. Sometimes just takes one touch and then bang straight into a midfielder or wide to to Lyndon Gooch. And I think he kind of dictates the tempo, the way Luke O'Neill does that. And it kind of it makes sure that we don't kind of, you know, become that team that just plays sideways and plods on slowly. Because Luke O'Neill is just his character. He gets the ball, takes one touch. He looks forward and he looks he, he looks to play a ball to kind of kick us off and I think at the minute he's he's kind of vital to getting us going to start those moves going forward as much as he is kind of defender. Yeah, we made a we made a sub uh, after the after the own goal when Ahmad came on for Elliot Hamilton. He done really well, didn't he? He had a good period. I'm actually quite impressed with this kid and I think Tony Mowbray is as well. Martin, he's um made a few comments about him, particularly after the game. He said he doesn't think it'll be too long before he's starting games and scoring goals. Do you tend to agree along those lines that he's he has shown his quality? Oh, he, he looks a class act to me. Like he's, you know, His first touch is good. He's pacey. He can um, you know link up play well. He passes it well. That ball that he put across to, to Jack Clark for the, the goal that wasn't the goal yeah. was a, a cracking ball across, wasn't it? I think, you know, whether the, the difficulty I've, I've got with with him, is where where he would actually start a game, and what position would you actually play him in? Because he he kind of played off the right. Yes, it didn't be like Roberts was also out there, and it was a kind of a, a funny position. I think he was just sort of going anywhere he he wanted to, to try to cause a bit of damage. So where he actually plays in the formations that we've played this season, I would I would question because I actually don't know the answer to that. But he's a he's a good player to bring off the bench. You just mentioned it there, Jack Clark's finish on the volley. A good cross from a man. It was straight out of it. It was brilliantly whipped in. At the time, I don't think people really knew if he was off or not. But I've seen the replay. Well, watched the AFL highlights back last night. They showed an angle across the line. He is just off. What was your gut feeling at the time, Chris? Did you think he was off? Well, I, I think I, I looked at the kind of players' reactions, and none of them were real. I mean, Clark was gutted, obviously. Well, apart from Ahmad jumping into the fans and kind of celebrating <laughs> for about ten minutes, <laughs> I think they, they had to pull him back from having a beer underneath the stand and all that sort of stuff, didn't they? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, looking at the other players', players reactions, other than Ahmad, um, that uh, it didn't look like they were kind of hammering and saying it wasn't offside and all that sort of stuff and having a pop. So it was one of them, and without seeing. That the, the angle during the game, you know, you couldn't you couldn't really have have much kind of comment on it. But uh, but like you said, I mean, and and just going off Martin's point as well, you know, like it was only kind of that came ten minutes after they took the lead. So you know, if we'd had twenty minutes after equalising, I think you said like you said, Martin, I think would actually would have would have gone on to win the game rather than kind of equalising with five minutes yeah. to go. I think I think we mm. might have gotten all three points. But but yeah, Ahmad looks good. There might be a chance, you know, next time around if. Um, if Sims and Stewart are still fighting for fitness, we might see kind of Ahmad played up front. 
and that's the only real position at the minute I can I can kind of see him kind of slotting in and, and making his own because uh, with the form of some of the other players it's going to be difficult to kind of take their players isn't it yeah you never know what's going to happen though as well the you know I think um, a month ago, if you'd said we'd have no strikers at this point, but we'd be doing all right, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> so, actually, I probably would have because Sunderland. But yeah, he uh, he came on, he did all right. Leon Diaco came on for Dan Neal, and he had a great chance, didn't he? I mean, uh, he he get he does quite well to get away. The ball sort of luckily gets through. I think it's Abdullah Bar who plays it through to him, and he gets in one on one with the goalkeeper, and the keeper tries to make himself big and spread himself. And it's not even on target. It goes right across the goal, past the post and, and out for a goal kick. And you can see in his face, Diaco knows, Martin, that he's he's missed a really good chance to... Because he's, he's out of all of these young players, he's the one, I think, who's fighting a little bit to just against the tide. I don't know. I think he will get chances, but because he came in a lot earlier and he hasn't really proved himself yet at Sunderland, He's fighting a little bit more to prove himself than some of the others are. And that's how big a chance that probably was for him. Well, it was a huge chance, wasn't it? I think he, he kind of did everything right apart from just get his angle slightly wrong. He he went across the keeper, put to the back post, and he, he, he was only a couple of inches off, off target, wasn't it? But mm. it was one of those that he's got to score. And he knows that the only chance he's got of, of getting a a place in the team on a regular basis, or even getting off a position off the bench on a regular basis is when he gets a chance to make a real impact. And he, you know, that was a golden chance for him to do so. And mm. I kind of think he was almost signed by, by accident, wasn't he? If, if we hadn't gone up, we, we wouldn't have um, made his, his transfer permanent, but I do actually, I do think he's got a lot of potential and, you know, he's young, he's still young and he's, he showed last season flashes that he, he can, you know, stick one in the top corner and cause cause teams problems. So, look, I I would be very surprised if he does a great deal this season for us with the the competition that he's got for a, a regular position for for a winger. You know, you got Clark and Bennett on on the left hand side. You got Roberts, Ahmed on on the right hand side. You know, Jack Diamond's form for for Lincoln. He scored a hat trick on Saturday. You know, you wouldn't be surprised if if there was a position going, we can recall him in January. You know, you wouldn't be surprised to see him come back if he's in such good form. If if we think he, we need extra support out there, so I think um, Diaki was kind of fighting for his his career a bit, isn't he? But it was a yeah a golden chance. But as you say, Gab Bar put the the ball through to him, and I thought he looked sensational when he came on. Like he wanted yeah. the ball. You know, we talked earlier about the, the players giving Ben the ball because they trusted him. Immediately, the players wanted to give Bar the ball, and he was getting on it, passing it around nicely taking people on and anyway, he's another one just full of confidence and Tony Mowbray said he looks as if he's been playing the championship for a year or two he just yeah. took to it like a duck to water and uh, that's another promising sign just talking about um, Diaco and his chance Gav that the only reason he's on the bench is because we've got two strikers injured and that's the only reason yeah. he's got a place on the bench and like you said you could see that he knows he knows that this is his chance and he knows that if he does, you know, if he didn't produce during these moments, that as soon as they get fit, he's really going to be struggling for a place on the bench. And I know it sounds like, you know, I'm talking with hindsight, but when he got the ball, I just was never convinced when he was coming through on goal. If you look at it, I think it was his second touch. It put him wide to his left where he didn't want to be. And you know, as someone with confidence 
would have went across the striker onto his right foot and kind of slotted it past the keeper. And he took himself so wide on his wrong foot just because his touch wasn't great. And he's just... It's a, it's a bit like he wants it that much that he, he can't he kind of can't do what he wants to do. But I mean, just on the subject of, of Bar and and I just want to mention Matete at this point. Both of them coming on kind of changed the game for me. I thought they were both absolutely fantastic. Exactly what we needed at that time. That had that bite in that midfield. They wanted the ball. They played like a little bit quicker. And um, I thought they were both fantastic when they came on. Jay Matete was one that got special praise from. Tony Mowbray after the game, a lad who we haven't, again, a little bit like Diakou, we haven't seen the best of him yet in a Sunderland shirt. But what I do like from what I see of him, around you see quite a lot in the training clips and around the train. He seems to be like quite a big personality, doesn't he? One that the lads all seem to like, especially the young lads. So it's I would I would love to see him do well for Sunderland. But yeah, coming on the pitch and as Mowbray put it, adding some physicality into the middle of the pitch, which we probably needed at that time given the rest of the team a platform to kick on, that youthful exuberance that we keep talking about, I mean, when we, when we need to change games in the second half, we've got all these really talented young players to throw on who all want to prove themselves. And as Mowbray said, you know, they're not moping around, they understand they're here to learn. And they know that their role in this team is to come on and change the game if we need them to. And that's been really important to us this season. I mean... One thing Alex Neal didn't do really was use all of his subs, but Mowbray's been pretty happy, hasn't he, to throw as many on as he needs to in order to get the game going for us, Martin. And like uh, Chris said, it worked in our favour because, as we've uh, talked about a few times, the winner in it front feels of like the away end. It does. Well, that's what I was saying at the start. Like It feels like we've won the game. <laughs> Dewey sticking it in, drop, drops on his chest, one touch, bottom corner. Absolute pandemonium. <laughs> what, a, what a finish for a kid who's 18 year old. Brilliant, wasn't it? It was. He's shown such confidence and such ability in his, his two games that he's um, he's had so far, hasn't he? Like, he came on against Reading and just immediately looked at home. Like, his first touch is phenomenal. He takes it on. He's got pace. He's got confidence. Hey, he's an 18 year old kid in a foreign country. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like, he's, he's going to be some player. You can tell already. You can just tell, can't you? He's going to yeah. be some player. And, you know, he, he came on against Watford on Saturday. He had their full back on toast. He kept going at him, got round him a couple of times, got some balls into the box. He he could have had a, you know, he had a, a bit of a chance to score um, before he did, didn't he? And then that ball comes in on his wrong foot, takes it down, great finish. And, yeah, homage to, to Ross Wallace. He must have been a, a Sunderland <laughs> fan growing up under Kino. Was he even alive when that goal was scored? <laughs> I would have to oh, make me feel like Probably a couple of year old. Gone. Two-year-old? He, he would have been two-year-old, sorry, but yeah. <laughs> That's I, I, old. I, I, don't, I don't want to know, I'm not listening. But, um, <laughs> but, but people, people, think, people forget with Mateta that Mateta's only 21. And actually, yeah. at, at 21, I mean, just looking at the glimpses of him and what, what he does when he comes on, and yeah, okay, he's had, he's had you know, the odd game where you thought he, hasn't, he wasn't at it, but again, he's only 21, he's still learning his trade, and He's got bags of potential for a 21-year-old. Uh, and this is the thing, right? You've got Matete, 21. A couple of iffy games last year. Some people are writing them off. Well, he's not good enough. He'll he'll never make it in the championship. Get rid of him. Get him on, out on loan. Circan last year. How old Circan? 20, 21? Oh, he's not good enough. And now he's been one of our best players this season. Elise, what, 20, 19? Bad game at yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, he's not good enough. He'll never make it. And it's just like... <laughs> 
there's got to be a pattern here, right? Where you go, okay, these young lads coming in, they're going to have some bad games, they have some great games, they have some fairly some average games. Over the course of a season, as we've seen with Circan, those poor games will get fewer, and the better games will get get more. And that's that's the whole premise of what this squad's been built around. It's getting players in who've got potential, coaching them, bringing them up, developing them as people and as players. You know, if we can set that standard and that reputation for, for bringing that type of player in, other players who are 18, 19, 20 will go, shit, that's the place I need to be developing my career at. That's the place I want to transfer to for the next three or four seasons. And who knows what happens after that. So like, we, we've got to just relax a little bit in terms of some bad games and, and some good games. I think it, it works both ways. We can't be going overboard and, you know, we're going to be winning the Champions League in two seasons' time, and Dewey's going to be lifting the trophy. But you know, it's there's a lesson in there, I think, for for every for, or for all of us in in in, th- in those regards, because like these players have got such potential, and there is a little bit of ups and downs with it. Yeah, and not just not just kind of improving this season, but if they keep improving at the rate they are, I mean, what, what they're going to be like next year and the year after that. But that's that's the thing, and that's what that's what puzzled me with Alex Neal's approach to things when when he was going. I want I want these players. He didn't say it overtly, but he he obviously wanted experienced championship players to come and strengthen the side. And okay, that, that's I can understand that from his point of view for this season because it's his reputation on the line. He's got to keep Sunderland up comfortably, you know, keep his reputation um, moving along and all that sort of stuff. But we know the ceiling of players who would come in on that remit. We know the ceiling of a good championship player. And that's being at the top end of the championship, bottom end of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. The ceiling on people like that we brought in this summer, we don't know what it is. It could be astronomical. Or it could be, you know, the playing in League Two in France in a year's time. But we, we don't know. And that's like to me as a fan, that's the exciting thing because like this team the potential of this team is so big at the minute. And, you know, we'll add to it in January, we'll add to it next summer, and we'll keep building on it. And, you know, who knows where we get to? Well, we haven't even seen Michu yet. <laughs> That's another yeah. one I'm excited well, no, to see. That's another one, isn't it? And he was, he was uh, him and Bennett were the two highest rated ones, weren't they? Yeah. Well, you, uh, well I'll just go around the, the board, really, like Bar who came on. Out of all the lads we've signed, he's got the most first-team football, hasn't he? So although he's, we don't know as much about him because he saw it, it all happened very quickly. He's away on international duty. He's playing for France at youth level. He played a couple of games two seasons ago for Le Havre. He played eighteen games last season and he started every game before he signed for us. So like, out of all of them, he might be the one who is the most ready to actually make a, a quick impact on the team. And I'm really excited about him. Really excited about him, but. Yeah, I'm really excited about all of them. Like Dewey, gonna be a player. You can just see it. He's <laughs> every time I've seen him on the ball, I just think, you know, like <laughs> when when we first signed him, I don't know if it's just pedantic Sunderland fans or what, but we signed him and people were like, oh, but he's another Milton Nunes and all this, <laughs> you know. And um, I knew from the minute I saw Milton Nunes touch a ball, he wasn't a player. This kid, you can see it a mile off. He's got so much ability and. It's about how you harness that. Creating an environment at the football club that tells these kids, when you come to Sunderland, you come in, yes, as a as a very inexperienced but talented player, you're gonna leave here as a as a man and you're gonna leave here as a as a very, very good player. Or hopefully you grow with us, you know? That has well, to be the it. that has to be the mentality and that's and the, the ultimate aim, isn't it? Yeah, and the and the 
<laughs> the point about Alex Neal before, like Alex Neal is a younger man than Tony Mowbray and he still has ambitions to manage at the top flight. He's obviously still got a lot to prove. He obviously, when he got there with Norwich, he feels like he didn't get a proper crack at it. You can feel, you can sense that in Alex Neal. Like he, he wants to get back there and get back there quickly because he, he believes that's where he should be. Where Tony Mowbray has been around the doors, he's seen it all, he's done it all. And he's looking at this opportunity now and he's seeing like a chance to manage the biggest club in the league but with some of the best young players in the league is like one he's probably never had. And that's an unbelievable opportunity as a coach. And if you've got a coach who matches up with your your ideas and your philosophy, who sees the potential in what we're trying to do here, I mean, it, it can only go one way, in my opinion. You've just hit the nail on the head about, about Alex Neil and what he wants to do and his ambitions. He doesn't care how he gets to the top level. He just wants to manage in the top flight. That's it. He just wants to be at the top top level. Tony Mowbray wants to build something. He yeah. wants to he wants to build something that, you know, can can move forward and he can see that he can now play the football he wants to play with the players that he's got now with his, all these technical players. And Alex Neil, well he does he didn't care about, you know, I mean, look, we were pragmatic in getting up from League 1 because we had to be and Alex Neil was brilliant at setting us up to win games no matter how. He you know, didn't care about he didn't want to look wasn't bothered about looking good, which is fair enough. I mean, brilliant. It got us up. It got results. Tony Mowbray, he's he's bothered about building something. He's bold, bothered about developing these players and he's bothered about doing things the right way. I think the other big thing with Mowbray is that like, he lives in Yarm, doesn't he? Like, he's not somebody who's moving house. He's not living in a hotel and travelling back to, to see his kids every every other weekend or, or whatever. He's he's here. He's in the area. Yeah. He's not having to move house. I read somewhere that... the like the staff are, are really pleased because they're actually working relatively normal working hours every day rather than <laughs> when Lee Johnson and Alex Neal were here. They were working into the night whenever the manager was in, in town. So like that those sort of things make a difference as well because it sets the it sets the tone that, you know, this is a permanent thing. It's it's here I'm here for the long term. And that's you know, that is the, the attitude and mentality that we need with the strategy that we've got from a playing perspective. Because it is all about the long term. And look, if if we if we do well this season, finish in the top, whatever, brilliant. That's not the ambition for the for the club this season. It's to have as be- as good a season as possible without being involved in in relegation at all. Yeah. And I think you know the early signs. You know, ten games into the season, and those ten games, I think we've played what seven or eight of the top ten. So you know, it's not as if we've had an easy run of fixtures to start the season with. Um, the, the signs are all positive. He's calmed everything down, hasn't he? Yeah. It just feels like I feel very assured. I feel like everything's going to be okay. You know, we're going to do everything right. We're going to be fine. We're going to do. That's how I feel whenever I hear him talk. It's like you know, Tony Mowbray has been here forever. He's just slotted in, very seamlessly, and it's been really, 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 really. really I can't get words out, but it's been really reassuring, to be honest. I think you've got to give credit. To the, to the club as well and how quickly they moved and got that sorted because when you're talking about a seamless transition it, it kind of because of how quickly they moved I think instead of making it a big thing and dragging it across a week or two where actually then it was becoming a big thing and it was a big change just Mowbray just coming in and the way he's done it as well he mentioned a couple of times he went well they were doing a lot of things right so I just left them and and he ha- he, yeah. he didn't come in and change everything on day one, and I think he's done it the right way. I think he's come in and well, I think he's got one of the best jobs in the in the game at the minute. Like I can't think of I know like 
we heard quite a lot of the negatives from Neil's side and the press and stuff when he left about how things are behind the scenes in terms of the way things run. But I think there's an opportunity for a coach who's, like I said, he's seen it and done it millions of times. It can't be many better jobs in football. Like, here you go, he has a squad that's already going in the right direction. They're all young players predominantly. And we want you to make them better players. Like, as a coach, as somebody who loves the game, that's got to be one of the best platforms to show what you can do out there, really. I can't think of many better jobs. And I mean, you, you, you were listen, I was listening to... Um, Paul Ince after the game on Wednesday sounding like completely defeated and um, talking about how his players hadn't trained well that week and all it. And they're above us in the league or the way at the time. I don't know if they still are. No, they are. And um, I was listening to that and I'm thinking, God, wouldn't it be crap if he was your manager? Like, I just don't care how well they're doing. Like, I just, and I, with him, I think I feel like he, he just loves it here already and he's enjoying it. Uh, I think with, with Mowbray, there's a few things, isn't there? Like, obviously, he's from the area. And he's took to the club straight away, and he's just fitted in seamlessly. But mm. he, you know, he talks the right language. He understands the area, understands the the people, and it's it's a funny one because obviously he's a, a borough player, borough manager. But it's almost like Sunderland really fits him well in in a lot of respects. But when you're going on about um, you know the great job for him, it's a great job for Tony Mowbray at his stage of his career. You know, he's been a manager for 20 years, lives in the area. You know, In reality, if he gets this right, this will be his last job in management probably. So it's a great job for him because he can, he's got a bit of time to develop them. He's not, he doesn't have ambitions of going up managing Ireland or, or wherever. He's, he's quite happy doing what he's, he's doing in Sunderland. People like mm. Alex Neal and other managers have ambition for, for, for themselves and Sunderland's a stepping stone on to their, their next job. Like Alex Neal will have in his mind, I want to manage Man United or I want to manage Liverpool. Whether he gets there or not, it's another matter altogether, but he wants the quickest way to get that that job. And spending three or four years in the championship developing players isn't going to be how he gets that, that sort of job. So it's a brilliant job. Absolutely agree with you, Gav. But it's only a brilliant job for the right head coach, or the right yeah. manager. And Tony Mowbray falls into that category. Yeah, it's the type of job you would traditionally give to a like a Rob Edwards, you know, a young coach. You you don't when you talk about a project and building something, you never you never think about well, what about like an older coach who probably just wants to do something for because M- Mowbray has just come off the back of a job where he spent what five years there, so he's 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 he probably grew a little bit tired. I remember listening to him on um on the Quest highlights at the end of last season when they were. Come to the end of the season at Blackburn, the press were asking him about, like, are you going to be here next season? And he was like, I don't know. Well, I've heard nothing, you know. I don't know. And he was, like, talking about, well, I think it's about time I give a bit of time back to me, son. You know, he's just starting to yeah. play football and I want to, you know, I want to go watch him on a on a morning and this, that and the other. He, he sounded like a little bit, he, he sounded like he was done at Blackburn. He's obviously had a few months off and went, Oh, I want to be back in already, you know. <laughs> but but I think that's that's the thing as well about uh, where managers live. And you know, Mowbray, is, from my knowledge, Mowbray has lived in Yarm all the time. He's been managing Blackburn, and that's you know overnight stays, and that's you're not going to go there and back every day. So mm. for for him to get a job where he's an hour down the road, he's back home every night for his tea, like it's a it's a massive thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain time span that you can live out of a suitcase. And you know, Mowbray has obviously done it a lot. Alex Neal was doing it last year. Lee Johnson was doing it here, so it's 
you know, you can't underestimate that. And it, it's one of those things where everybody, everything probably feels right for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, the, the difference you could, uh, as you were saying, Gav, the way you was talking about Blackburn and, and it's the difference between a job and a project. And I think you can see at Sunderland, mm-hmm. it's something to really get his teeth into. It's not slogging along, trying to kind of, you know, get players on the cheap and getting those free transfers. We were talking about that in an ideal world, you wouldn't really sign. You want, you want technically gifted young players to coach and, and all this sort of stuff. And like you said, Gav, he's seen the opportunity with us. And you can, it's kind of lifted him because he's like, well, look, look at this job I've got now. I've got this huge project and I've been given the tools to play like I want to play. And he's got that cushion as well where we're not saying go and win the league, you know, go and get us top six, go and do this. It's a develop these players, you know, and look, just see where it goes. Obviously, obviously don't look over, you know, don't make sure we're not looking over our shoulder. But you know, it's not we're not looking to go to Watford and wipe the floor with them and all this sort of stuff because we haven't spent fortunes, you know, in the summer. It's like you know, go on, develop the players, play the football you want to play, and I, th- I think he's loving it. Yeah. What we're going to do for the next two weeks? We haven't got a game. I know we've got, <laughs> we're all we're all full of vim and vigor, and we're happy and excited about Sunderland, but we've got no game for a fortnight or so. We don't play again until we play Preston on the first of October, I think, because of the international break. Um. So unfortunately, we have no more games to react to, but we do have a couple of specials which we've got in the can, Chris. We won't give any names away, but we've got some good ex-player interviews coming up over the next week or so for you all, so we will still be here. We'll just have something a little bit different. Uh, but cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Nice one. Cheers, Gav. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Cheers, Martin. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. And cheers to the listeners. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you catch rotoreport.com right throughout the next two weeks. We'll be there as well. We'll have plenty of stuff coming. We'll catch you later. Cheers. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.